Peace, everybody. Welcome to Death Row. This is Death Row Gambit, and my name is Rodney Taylor. Today's episode is titled, Barely Legal, Sentenced to Death Before the Age of 21. And I'm here with Byron Warren, a.k.a. Streets, who, as the title says, was sentenced to death before he was 21 years old. What's up, Streets? Hey, how you doing? All right, so uh, let's begin with your age. How old are you? Well, I'm 35 years old, and I'll be 36 in about two weeks. So you got a birthday coming up. So you be what? 36. 36. So that means you were born in 86. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I was 14, and I was about to start the 10th grade. That was a good year, especially for hip-hop. You had Rock Kim, KRS-One, and The Wop. You don't know nothing about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so check it out. We got some questions from people on the outside, so let's get into that. All right. All right, so what was your childhood like? <sighs> Man, my childhood was all right. See, I was born and raised in a small town in South Carolina. And uh, I'm raised in a big town, so I got cousins everywhere. But at the same time, it was kind of lonely because my grandparents were always overprotective of me because I was 50. You know what I'm saying? I always had seizures. Uh, I always fall and bruise something, my birds off. You know how that go now. Yeah, we call you, we call you Mr. Glass. Yeah, okay. So, uh... I really couldn't really go nowhere. I couldn't spend like a cousin's cribs, things. Uh, everywhere I go, I got to deal with my grandparents. So it was kind of lonely. It was kind of hard for me to make friends also because in school I used to get picked on a lot for me being skinny, uh, me being dark skin, things like that. So it was kind of hard for me to make friends as a kid. But uh, at the same time, it was still good to be around family too. So it was all right. So you, you say you had a big family. How many brothers and sisters you got? Uh, let's see. I got four brothers on my mom's side. I got a brother and sister on my father's side. And they didn't grow up with they, they grew up with you, right? No. Uh, my brothers on my mom's side, they uh, they was raised by my mom and their father. I grew up by my grandparents. My mom had me. She was 18. So when she gave birth, she, she left. Uh, and my brothers and sisters on my pop's side, uh, they lived in another state. I never knew who they was until around about 16, 17 years old. Okay, okay. So how did you feel about that? I mean, growing up, you know, your mom's, she she left, and she, you say she left you with your grandparents. Yeah. Uh, well, for one, um, like I said, when I was sick growing up, my grandparents felt like uh, my mom was ready for me. Like I said, she was 18. Uh, she didn't get a chance to finish school. So she ended up, you know what I'm saying, going somewhere to get a GED. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was like Job Corps or something like that. Okay. okay. So uh, the deal was when my mom was ready to come and get him, she would come and get him. But my grandparents, they, they were like, nah, they ain't going for that. They got attacked. They got attacked. You know, okay, so okay. I became their baby, so it was like, nah, he started. He ain't going to the city. He's going to stay right here in the country. So that's why. Now, you said a small town in South Carolina. You kind of glossed over that. What is the name of this town? Utahville. Utahville. Utahville, South Carolina. All right. And ain't number 216 people. Now, I know a little bit about South Carolina, but not that much. So what big city is that next to? Uh, 
uh, we about 45 minutes from Charleston, uh, about 45 minutes from Orangeburg, about 30 minutes from Somerville, about 30 minutes from something. So we kind of in the middle. Okay, okay. All right, so tell me about this. Uh, I mean, I know about the main streets a little bit, you know what I'm saying, but people don't know about the main streets. Uh, let's see. Streets is one of, of my many nicknames I have. But uh, I got the main streets for two reasons. One, uh, my mom, when I moved to North Carolina, my mom was like, boy, you always out there in the street. Every time I look around, you in the streets. You walk in the streets, you in the streets. Your name might, excuse me, your name might as well be streets. So okay. I kind of adapted it to the main streets. All right. Well, believe it or not, that's always been one of my favorite uh, uh, nicknames for people because I didn't really have a nickname growing up until – Hey, I was about 15 or 16. All right. Streets, Utah did. <laughs> All right. So uh, you got here in 2007. Yep. So how did, how did, how was that? I mean, how did, how did people treat you when you first got here? Uh, when I first got here, I'm going to say people treated me with uh, open arms. Um, this is my first time in prison. And so stories I used to hear about coming to prison is like, uh, when you come to prison, man, you have to set an example. So you're gonna have to fight the first biggest person that comes to you. You're gonna have you gonna have to fight him just to set an example. So who who was you looking at? <laughs> uh when I first got here, right? Believe it or not, when I first got here, uh, it sent me downstairs to Pi Three. And when I first got here, Three big white guys with no shirt on came approaching me. So I was like, man, here we go. So when it came close, I guess the one on scene, he was like, yo, man, this ain't this type of party. I was like, what you mean this ain't this type of party? He was like, yo, man, this ain't where we at. You know what I'm saying? We just trying to make sure you're all right. You know what I'm saying? Welcome to, you know what I'm saying, Death Row. And uh, that's it. I was like, all right, you know what I'm saying? So they went to go clean my room. I still was watching them, you know what I'm saying, just in case they tried to join me or whatever. But once I realized we wanted that type of party, then everything was cool. Yeah, I was one of, I was one of the guys then, because I was on uh, part one at that time when we got here. So we used to go to child together. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I remember you uh, when you first got here. Yeah, when you asked me about special ed. Yeah, that's, you know, that's when we started realizing we was old. <laughs> you know, cause, you know, then I was, I was 35. You know, so I, I remember you when you got here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 20 years old. Yep. Yep. Long time ago. Yeah, and you're 36 now. Yeah. So you didn't have any bad experiences when you got here with just, you know, you know, people, you know, Welcome you, like you said, with open arms. But that was the same type of situation I had when I first got here. I, I expected death row to be a little bit more intense, but, you know, we have a, a unique setup here where, you know, we get a chance to socialize and, you know, interact with each other on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. we didn't have any problems like that. Yeah. Like, my first encounter of death row was, uh, before I got here, it was like a movie covering dips by Tiffany Williams. That was my first experience with Jeffrey. I never knew what Jeffrey was, you know what I'm saying? By me living down the street from this prison, I still never knew what 
death row was or death penalty was, you know what I'm saying? My first encounter was, like I said, the movie Redemption. That's the first time I ever seen anything about death row. And so this is your first time in prison, and, and, and you land on death row at 20 years old. First time in prison, landed on death row at age of 20. That had to be a, a shock for you. It was. It was. Uh, when they gave me the death sentence, um, they told me to stand up. And the only thing I really remember was uh, they put handcuffs on me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't hear uh, none of the sayings that the judge saying, none of that. Somebody had to tell me what he said, you know what I'm saying? Because I couldn't believe that I actually died, you know what I'm saying? So. Okay. Well, that was your, your like I said, you were 20. That, was, that had to be a, a shocking experience, you know? And uh, I'm, like I said, I've known you since you got here. And uh, I've seen you grow up. And so, the people want to know, how have you changed since you've been on death row? Growing uh, things. Um, having the thought of you going to die in prison kind of uh, mess you up mentally. So, like my first maybe 10 years, uh, I had a, like, I don't care attitude. Like, uh, I just started, uh, you know, wilding out, uh, going to lock up. Really didn't care about, you know what I'm saying, rehabilitation because I felt like, what was the point? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm going to die. Even though there wasn't, um, during no execution at the time that I got here, still I felt like it wasn't no, no hope for me to get out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison. I'm going, I'm going to die in prison. So what's the point of change? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I end up going to solitary confinement in 2011. Okay. And uh, my grandma came three and a half hours to visit me on my birthday, and I went to DHO on my birthday, and they took my visits from me on my birthday. And when she got here, they won't let her in on my birthday. And my grandma is like 83 years old now. Okay. And this is the first time I ever ever heard my grandma say one curse word and she cussed me out and that kind of broke my heart that kind of kind of broke you know what i'm saying so i was like i can never put my grandma through that again so my process started started in yeah so i believe uh i became more patient i believe i came became more uh aware of who i am who i truly am you know what i'm saying from that experience, from that experience. Now, you say wild and out. You, I don't know you as a wild and out type of person, you know. Uh, uh, I used to catch a whole bunch of different DS uh, writers, you know what I'm saying? Uh, when we had cigarettes, smoking in the room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cursing out CEO. Rebellious type of stuff. Like, yeah. school y'all, I'm going to yeah. do what I want to do type stuff. Yeah. When I first got here, I spent two months on lockup off the roof. Okay. So it was just things like that. I just, whatever yeah. CEOs tell me to do, I don't do it. Okay. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. We've all been there. Uh, so, yeah, that was a messed up situation I've been with your grandmother because, for one, they're not supposed to take your visits like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If a visit is already scheduled. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're supposed to give you your visit and then initiate 
the suspension of visitation after that. Yeah. You know, uh, how old was you when that happened? Uh, 20 something. <laughs> Got off lockup because I'd probably still be on lockup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that situation, you know, not wanting to disappoint your grandmother is what, you know, sparked the change. Yeah, it's what sparked the change. It's, uh, I felt like that, uh, I came, I came, at that, at that point, I felt like I was getting older. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to be acting like the teenagers that's out there on the streets now. You know what I'm saying? I felt like that uh, it was time for me to, to grow up, you know what I'm saying, and uh, prove everybody wrong because everybody always thought of me as, you know what I'm saying, the bad kid, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I was like, nah, it's time to prove people wrong. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. What is it, I You have 60 seconds remaining. I do. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, that's our, that's our uh, uh, signal that we got about 60 seconds for this first call, you know what I'm saying? But uh, you're a father. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that means, you know what I'm saying, by nature, you're supposed to be a mature individual. By nature, yeah. All right, so we're going to get into that when we get back. All right. All right. You know, for, for uh, those of you listening, uh, you have 30 seconds remaining. The phone calls that we make are for 15 minutes in duration, and when you have one minute left, what happens is what you just heard. You get a 60-second 60 60 uh, notification, then uh, you get a 30-second. And so with that, we'll dial back and continue. All right, so we're back. What was I saying? Of course, I remember. I got a good memory. We were talking about you being a father. Yeah. How many children do you have? Two. Two. Yep. Uh, I have a daughter. I have two daughters, actually. Uh, one of them passed away. Uh, mm. um, of course, I was arrested when I was 19 years old, and my daughter was born on March 22, 2005, and I got arrested on November the 9th of 2005, and my daughter definitely passed away on December 14th of 2005. So 2005 was a it was a good year, and it was a bad year for me. No doubt. So yeah, that was a, that was kind of tough for a 19 year old to deal with. You know what I'm saying? And then to this day, I still kind of deal with it. But uh, it took a long time to accept it because I dealt with that burden of it was my fault. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, it took a a lot of uh, help. Healing, praying, different things to, 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 to get to the point to where I'm at now. And, uh, I really, and it's sad, but I really don't have a relationship with my other daughter like that because I wasn't around for her growing up to mm -hmm. where she is now. But, uh, at the same time, I'm still a proud father that I was able to leave something out in the world to make the world a better society. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like uh, uh, a brighter version of me is out there holding it down until I can get out there. And I think we all feel like that because one thing as a parent, you want your child to be better than you were. Yeah. And so considering uh, our lives have taken a better 
a, a, a turn for the worse or a bad turn, turn, we uh we definitely hope that our children will be better versions of us, and you know that makes us proud. Mm-hmm. You know to hear that they uh graduate from high school because your daughter, she she what she getting ready to graduate or has she graduated? She already. She getting ready to graduate. You know, and I know that has to make you make you real proud. Mm-hmm. You know. So you say you don't have a relationship with them. Do you try? I'm trying now. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? One thing, you know, my daughter's 26. You know, and it's like, you know, uh, uh, having conversations with her is like trying to pull teeth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, she answers the phone. Uh, she listens. So we just have to keep trying because, you know, in their eyes, you know, we kind of let them down, especially with, with, with girls. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, the, we're, the, we're supposed to be the light of their life, and here we are, you know, in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's rough on them, and we have to, you know, just, we have to understand that and just be there. Yeah. You know. But you've had some pretty good, some pretty good uh, influences around. You've been around some pretty good people. Like, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, Young guys, like we call y'all the next generation here, or, you know, it's a few of y'all that's around the same age. <laughs> we are being interrupted by the CEO, so we're going to have to uh, resume this in a moment as soon as I see what she wants. Okay, I'm back. Uh, that's a, We have a new CEO in the booth, and uh, they, there's two tailors on the block, so she called the wrong tailor. Uh, so what was I saying? That kind of threw me for a loop right there. You were saying, "Oh yeah, you got some, you had some pretty good influences, and uh, you know we call y'all like the next generation because you know all of y'all are there's several of y'all that's about thirty five, so y'all about the same age. Yeah. And uh, it was it was like that when I was in my twenties, late twenties, and early thirties. It's a lot of us were all the same age, and we all around now right now. So we got the older <laughs> generation and the younger generation." But you've been around some pretty good guys here who, uh, you know, have positive attitudes and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, now you you came in 2007, so it, it was about, what, six years after that that uh, Dr. Coons came over here and we got some programs. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So uh, what was, you got to ask, you know, people want to know what was your, uh, what was one of the, your favorite programs? Well, I got two, and uh, both of you run neck and neck. And, of course, you already know one of them is Toastmasters, even though I hate public speaking, as you can tell now. It, it's, probably, it's probably hard to tell to the person that's listening right now. <laughs> but, yeah, Toastmasters and the drama class. Those are two of my favorite programs. The drama class. The drama class. Why the drama class? Because I thought I'd never see the day where I'd be out there acting in front of anybody or even participating in a play. That's right. He was in a, a, a 12 Angry Men. Uh, backstage, but yeah, I was. Okay. That, well, that ain't acting. I was one of the original members, but of course I uh, injured my knee, torn ACL, and I had surgery, so somebody else took that position. But my position was a script manager, so I kind of... Uh, take that with pride because I had to make sure everybody else learned these scripts. You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn all theirs order to make sure they learn theirs. I ain't going to take away from your blood. I'm not going to take away from your blood. It's all right. It's okay. 
But yeah, so but you did uh, attend, uh, uh, participate in uh, a lot of the programs, like you said. You mentioned you mentioned the Toastmasters, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, I know that wasn't one of your uh, your favorite things, but you uh, you pushed through it, yeah. and uh, you found your niche. Yeah. You know what I'm saying and your niche is just you know being yourself. Yeah. And that's that's one thing you 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 do pretty well. You just be yourself, and uh, you move through life in here, which can be difficult. But you 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 keep it you keep it easy. Yeah, I try to. Yeah. Well, before we wrap it up, you know we haven't uh, had visits. We just recently got our visits back. Uh huh. You know, because of the pandemic, visitation was shut down pretty much for two years. Uh-huh. So now that we have visits back, I want to ask you the question of who is one person you would like to visit you the most? Whew. Uh, everybody that know me know I love my grandma to death. You know what I'm saying? Uh, unfortunately, my grandma should be coming in the next two weeks, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, the one person I really want to see the most is my mom. Okay. I haven't seen my mom physically in 17 years. Mm. Uh, my mom can't deal with the fact that her older son is on death row. You know what I'm saying? She can't. She can't see it. You know what I'm saying? And she don't want to. You know what I'm saying? Come down and see me in this situation. And I respect that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's a mom. Mom never want to see her son in a in a, in a, That's right. in a uh, messed up predicament. So I understand that, but at the same time, uh, like I said, I haven't seen my mom in 17 years. So I would love to physically see her. You know, so I get pictures of my mom. I talk to my mom every time on the phone, but physically seeing my mom, yeah, I I would love I would love to see that. You know what I'm saying, and yeah. uh, I believe I believe that happened one day. Uh, not in prison, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, hopefully that'll happen for you. Yeah. I'm we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna pull for that. Uh, and uh, so with that, we're going to close out. Appreciate you uh, pushing through and being uh, being down to do this. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, because I know you know, uh, uh, this ain't public speaking, but it is, but it's just me and you. Yeah. You know, but you know me pretty well. I know you, so we, you know, we we good. Yeah. Uh to the listeners, we want to thank y'all for listening. Uh as always, as we are starting to say, welcome to Death Row. That's our catchphrase. Uh this has been Death Row Gambit. Next week we will be featuring an episode titled Distant Relatives, featuring Jimmy Lawrence. We look forward to you listening. Take care. Be safe.